Hello, everybody. It's Keith. Help support the Northeast scene and declare yourself a member today. Subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts or your podcast medium of choice. Rate us and leave a review. Every little bit helps. Subscribe to our YouTube channel. It has every podcast episode plus other exclusive content. Like and leave a comment. Follow us on Instagram and Twitter at TheNEScene. Also, continue to write us at NortheastScene at gmail.com. We want to share your experiences as well. And now, here's the show. Everybody and welcome to the Northeast Scene Podcast. This is Keith and Tommy, and we're back on a Monday, and we are very excited to be here. Tommy, I'm excited to be here. I feel like I haven't spoken to you in one week. No, we we talked yesterday. I know. <laughs> I was gonna say we talk almost every day, but yeah, we talk. Yeah, we talk every day, whether it's podcast related or just us talking. We are in constant communication. Tonight is an exciting show, folks. It's a jam-packed show. We've got a panel discussion about Furnace Fest with our good friend Josh Brigham, guitarist of Hope's Fall, and our friend Vadim Taver. Yay, Vadim. Yes, from such bands as A Life Once Lost, Ooh, This Day Forward, Ooh, and he is the current touring guitarist of Poison the Well. Poison the Well was supposed to play Furnace Fest, Unfortunately, they could not, but Vadim is going to be here with us. Josh is going to be here with us. You'll hear about all of our adventures at the fest. It's going to be a good time. I can't wait. I'm excited to hear stories. I mean, because I wasn't, you know, let's just clear that up at the beginning. I was not there. So this is going to be a lot of like uh, me kind of like asking questions about what happened and, you know, why it happened kind of stuff, because I, I wasn't there to share a lot of it. So. Yeah, Vadim's got good stories. Josh has has at least one really good story, which I talked to him about, and you're going to hear about that. You'll laugh. <laughs> and, uh, it's going to be good. I can't wait. You know, nice conversation with some friends. And beyond that, we've got a jam-packed show for you as well. Now, Tommy, there's a lot of new music news, yes. a lot of new releases, a lot of things going on, and we're going to talk about it in a minute. But first, how are you doing? Really good. Uh, very uneventful week so far. Uh, nothing big. Had a little bit of a, a fight I had to break up at school, but that's like the most interesting and extraordinary thing I have. How big of a fight? What, what happened? It was a lot. It was, it was big. It was a lot of, <laughs> it was, yeah, there was like three on two or two on two. I kind of walked in half. I, well, I ran to it halfway through, so I didn't really see the beginnings of it i think it's when start- you ran up to the fight with it like oh no the school cop is here <laughs> <laughs> no but i will say this as soon as i show up and the science teacher who looks like me except he's taller it immediately stopped <laughs> like everybody okay. stopped fighting they were like all right there's two big people here stop that's good that they stop when teachers show up if they started taking swings at the teacher then you would know you have a real situation on your hands yeah uh i have been in a school where it something like that has happened or you know two kids are fighting and a teacher gets in the middle um and this is one of those things that i've always kind of just made sure i worked on as a, as a teacher is if their kids are going to get into it especially if i know i can control both of them i can get in the middle 
However, if I know somebody is really wild, getting in the middle kind of hypes people up because now they have someone to kind of, now they can just talk shit from a distance and not have to worry about the content. Now they look tough as fuck. And <laughs> now they can do whatever they want to spit at somebody and you're in the middle of it or take a wild swing at somebody. And it's like, yo, I'm here. So, uh, yeah, uh, it was nice. I just, I saw who one of the main girls was. I just like put my hands up. It was like, you're going to come with me. And she was like, no, I'm going to. And I was like, no, you're coming with me. And I was like, okay, let's go into this room. And I walked into the room, closed the door and locked it. And I was like, we're going to stay here until I don't hear any noise out in the hallway. <laughs> so, <laughs> Yeah, but that was that was the most exciting thing that happened at school. The baby turned two this weekend. It was incredible. We had nobody over really except for my mom and my stepfather. But that was it. How are you? Me? I'm good. Nothing. Tommy, nothing is going on right now. No. And I couldn't be happier. No news is good news, bro. Yeah, yeah. No drama, no uh, mental anguish. I am loving every second of it. I'm just hanging out with friends and going out and doing things and working on the show and working on my regular job. Everything is going great. Couldn't be happier. I'm enjoying every second of it while it lasts. I I was going to say, enjoy the times when things are normal because you never know when things are going to go crazy and go wild. And it's like, then you're going to be like yearning for those times of like, God, I wish it was like a regular blah kind of day. Yeah. And this year and our conversations about this have taught me that those times are coming. So right now, while things are relatively chill and I'm just happy and enjoying life, I'm I'm really soaking it in. The only bad thing going on is uh, I have to get a root canal in a couple weeks. I I've been neglecting some dental work for I don't know three years, <laughs> <laughs> and things finally got painful enough that I was pushed into taking care of it. But I'm gonna take care of it, and I'm gonna you know now that I'm pretty stationary where I live and I have a regular dentist, I'm gonna start going for the six month cleaning, and oh, I'm gonna yeah. really really go for it. I I like that. I like getting my teeth cleaned. <laughs> yes. It's really nice. <laughs> I, I'm not like grimy or anything. I brush every day. I floss every day. It's just that stuff happens and I don't know. I, I waited too long to take care of it, but I will not be doing that anymore. So let's talk about some music. There's a lot yes. of great music happening right now, folks. Tommy, the new One Step Closer record. Yo. This place you know. I'm super hype on this record. And can can we tell everybody how I listen to this record? oh yes can folks, we bring that up please <laughs> folks big big show news tommy tell everybody where you listen to the record keith keith was kind enough to get me um spotify for uh, what is it called duo account so um i'm able to listen to everything on spotify without commercials and uh i've been listening to it as can, keith can probably look at what i'm listening to <laughs> i've been listening to it like nonstop. <laughs> <laughs> that's right folks i've got tommy on spotify you know as as big time music guys and music journalists now if you will we oh, yeah. we have to listen to the whole record and formulate uh, very very important opinions about the music uh, and i truly i really appreciate it because uh well back to the task at hand i got to listen to the one new one step closer every track is fucking awesome when we had them on, they kind of talked about like, hey, we're going to embrace some of this stuff that was a little bit more out of the genre. And so, 
they must have like completely got rid of that idea because it's fucking heavy. <laughs> it sounds exactly like what I expected it to sound like. It's super good, but they do that thing where they have the kind of old school chugga chugga hardcore, not old school like metals ninety like nineties metalcore stuff. Right. Um, like youth of today, chugga chugga kind of stuff. Really, right. really cool uh, chain of strength kind of breaks. But then they do these kind of like arpeggiated like. I don't even know how you would go, but they're, they're vaguely melodic. Like they're really, really good at doing the jun, 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 jun. Like it goes into these really cool parts. Um, also lyrically something I can actually understand what the person is saying and makes me want to learn the words so I can sing along when I see them. Yeah, man, I loved it. My favorite tracks were home for the night lead to gray. And what was the first one called on the record? I feel so. Oh wait, no. Yes. Yeah. What a what an opener. And congrats to the boys on the record. We had them on the show a while ago and it was nice to talk to them. I really love the record and Tommy, like you mentioned, I expected a big shift in another direction dynamically based on what they were saying, but it was not a it was not a shift in sound. It was it was more like uh, the next step forward. Yes. You know? It was yep. like a perfect refinement of what they had built with the first record. It I, and I kind of that brings us to Anxious, right? Like Oh. So Now this has Oh yeah, Anxious is a band from Connecticut, I believe, and they share the guitar player of One Step Closer. Yes. And the guitar player does vocals in Anxious. Now, they have a new single up Call From You. I listened to this thing on repeat all weekend. I think this has album of the year potential whenever it comes out. The other thing is, is that he plays guitar in One Step Closer, right? Yeah. He, he has a fucking phenomenal voice. Like, can oh, yeah. do, like can do like the two part harmony, like really, really, really smart stuff. And on top of that, uh, really catchy, but doesn't walk away from. There's still kind of heavier parts, and it, you know what it reminded me of? What was the name of that band that was like the other band? Oh, uh, does Vane have another uh, band? Oh, Fleshwater. Fleshwater. It reminded me of that. Like, it's just kind of the, it's like two steps away from being uh, that band, but not as heavy. Like, it's just really good melodic stuff. And I like the, I just like the kind of tone of it. Really fun shit. Really, really fun shit. Yeah, I absolutely love it. I can't wait to see more from them. And hopefully we'll get them on the show at some point. And Tommy, we also listened to the new Quicksand LP which is called Distant Populations. Yes. Now, I really like this record. It's different from the last one. I like it I like it better than the last one. The last yes. one was Interiors. That came out in 2017. That sounded a little more experimental, different styles, different things. But this new Quicksand record sounds almost like more of a classic Quicksand record. It's a little heavier. Yes. You know, it, it doesn't sound dated. Like, if they tried to sound like... Slip, like Slip era... Like yeah, that, if they yeah. tried to sound like Slip again or Manic Compression again, it would probably just sound dated. But this thing sounds modern. It sounds fresh. I like it. I like it a lot. They do a nice thing where they um, they still maintain like the heaviness, but not with all the distortion on the guitars. So you still yeah. get that heavy kind of like nod along with the parts feel. What was your favorite track? I think Inversion is the standout track. See, I liked Colossus. I liked Colossus and I liked Lightning Field. Those were the two big ones for me that I was like, fuck, these songs are good. Like, And again, it was like that kind of like departure from what I expected Quicksand to sound like, but you completely can hear, like it's Walter. So like yeah. you, you get that feel of Quicksand, but 
I really like this stuff. I really, really enjoy the the way it sounds. The production on it is extraordinarily good. Now, I, I will say this. I listened to it with AirPods when I was uh, doing stuff outside. Uh, then when I came inside, I put my like over-the-ear like sound-canceling headphones on and listened to it. Much better uh, way to listen to that record. Uh, there's oh, a yeah, lot, sure. of, lot of stuff I missed. Yeah, it's really good. I, I enjoy the whole thing. And Tommy... Stephen Brodsky of Caven is their touring guitarist now. Yes. <laughs> I would love to see Quicksand Live with Steve Brodsky. <laughs> he has one of my favorite YouTube videos of all time. <laughs> I it's not my favorite one, but Stephen Brodsky had a video where he uh, does the intro for, for Moral Eclipse. And he plays it like super, not like super sloppy, but like, you know, the way he would play it on stage. But in the middle of it, he like before when he does that pick slide, he literally looks at the camera and goes, mosh it up, fuckers. Yeah, <laughs> like, it's the funny, it is really funny. And it's like uh, the whole thing in the bottom was like all comments just being people like being mean about it. But like, oh, I could play it cleaner. It's like, really? Did you write it, though? Stupid. Shut up. Yeah, I you know what? I've seen that exact video and I know the comments you're talking about. People were like, oh, it's just rehash Slayer. It's, shut up. Yeah, like, like that. That's a classic song. Uh, I I will say this. I'm really excited. At w- when I see Quicksand, I, I am excited to see what they sound like with Brodsky. Like, that'll be really cool. I, I don't know. Is he going to do vocals with them as well? I think he does backups, yeah. Okay, that's cool. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm anxious to see that. I'm anxious to see that. Huh? I mean, no. Huh? No, oh, get it? Because oh, we just anx- talked about anxious. Oh. Yeah, but I think anxious is the wrong word. Anxious means, like, nervous. I'm not nervous. Yeah. I'm not nervous for it. They're going to meet their fucking consummate professionals. They'll fucking destroy. <laughs> <laughs> that's good. And Tommy, there's a little more news in the music world. Are you ready for this? Oh, let's go. Did you hear about what's going on with David Lee Roth? No, but I love David Lee Roth, so let's let's hear what he has to say. <laughs> I heard Stern talk about this this morning. I think, I think he's on his way out. Who, oh, he's dying? I, that's what it said. He released a statement. He's doing this run of shows in Vegas with Alex Van Halen. That's the drummer of Van Halen, of course. Yeah. And the way, the statement that he released, he, sounds, he said these are going to be the final shows, and it sounds like he's on his way out. Now, Tommy, I'm going to play the statement, and then we're going to talk about it. Are you ready for this? Yeah, let's go. All right, here we go. With the departure of my beloved classmate recently, Ed, Al and I have been talking. I can't speak for him just yet. I just spoke to him. He knows everything I'm about to tell you. I am encouraged and compelled to really come to grips with how short and probably my time is even shorter. I thought I might go first, frankly. I might have thought the Marlboro man might have got me. Hey, Ed, objects in the rearview mirror are probably me. And my doctors, my handlers compel me to uh, really address that every time I go on that stage, I endanger that future. I know when I sit in the audience, all I ask, come out with a ukulele or a marching band. All I ask is that you give me everything you got to give. That's what I did for the last 50 years. And uh, I'm throwing in the shoes. I'm retiring. And this is the first and only official announcement. Al, my handlers, you got the news. You share it with the world. I'm not going to explain a statement. The explanation is in the statement. These are my last five shows. I got a band that's doing what Al and I used to call a block. That means 75 rehearsals for one show. The warm-up, 
for one summer salt is the same for 10. So we're going to bring it in classic VH style. Alex and I are the only version. That was his message. There is no other variation. There is no torch being passed. There is no other side of this heads up tail coin. This is classic in your face Van Halen. And we're going to be playing to you for the rest of your time and your great grandchildren's. Gave you all I had to give. It's been an amazing, great run. No regrets. Nothing to say about anybody. I miss y'all. Stay frosty. Oh, shit. That I was, got emotional listening to that. That is really sad. Um, Did you catch it when he said, the? I thought the Marlboro man might have gotten yeah. me, so could it be some kind of cancer, cancer. thing? Cancer, yeah. Ugh. Uh, I, I will say this. I... I I fucking love Van Halen so much. <laughs> like, <laughs> if they come to Philly, I would definitely 100% go see that show. You know, it really sucks. And, and I think that it came across as, as he starts talking, you can, you can hear the quiver in his voice. Yeah. Uh, he's getting emotional about it. And, uh, you know what? For God's sakes, he gave everything he had to fucking Van Halen for, like he said, 50 fucking years, man. Yeah. Like, I'll never forget when they, when they did that dual tour a long time ago with, David Lee Roth and uh, Sammy Hagar, remember that? Yes. Where they did both versions out on tour? Yeah. I'll never forget, they had both of those guys on the Stern show, and uh, David Lee Roth is like like poking at Sammy Hagar, and he's like, we're going to open with this song and this song, and he's just showing them up, and he's like, going from me to Sammy Hagar is like going from speedballs to milkshakes. (laughs) And I was was like, oh man, I've done that, and boy. (laughs) I, I... I just, uh, I, I get really, um, there's something nostalgic about Van Halen, but also at the same time, I respect the stuff they did after David Lee Roth. No, Sammy Hagar has good stuff with them, of course. Yeah, I, right there's, now, there's come people, on. There's people out there that are Van Halen purists and are like, fuck that, I don't, like, no. Yeah, well, you know, you're always going like, to have those. Right now, that song sucks. I'm like, that song's fucking awesome. <laughs> that song that's, rips, dude. That's a fucking great song. Man, did, who, did you ever go back and watch the video for that too? The music oh, video was incredible. Beautifully done one. That was yeah. one of the. That was when MTV was fucking rad, man. Damn. Yeah. That was a great video. Yeah, but yeah, that's really uh, that's devastating because he he is a he's an icon. I mean, and beyond that, like he's a person that clearly is going through some shit and uh, you know, he's going to do one last thing and fucking uh, good for him. I'm really, I'm really just like, I hope that before I go out, I get to do something cool like that. And I, it, that he has the opportunities and he's going to fucking do it. It's going to be. So you are right. Tommy, this show, it will be your legacy. Uh, okay. You're doing it <laughs> right now. Hey, <laughs> for tomorrow. All right. I'm going to end it right there because yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we're out of time, but now we're going to talk to Josh Brigham and Vadim Tavor. Enjoy. All right, folks, we're here now with our major big time Furnace Fest panel. We've got Josh Brigham, guitarist of Hopesfall. Josh, say hello to the people. Hello, people. I'm Josh. I'm the guitarist in Hopesfall. You sound very excited to be here, but you know what? We're very excited to have you back on the show again. I'm excited to be here, too. Sorry, that introduction by myself, of myself, was kind of <laughs> shitty. Um, I'm actually happy to be here. <laughs> and, of course, Vadim Tavor of such storied bands as A Life Once Lost and 
This Day Forward and Marigold and, and of course, touring guitars for Poison the Well. But team, welcome back to the show. What's up, guys? We're excited to have everybody here. There's been a lot going on in the world of music. Hopes, or not hopes fall. Hopes fall happened, but Furnace Fest happened. Josh, you played two gigs. Vadim, you were scheduled to play, but unfortunately the set was canceled. We're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about the wonderful times that we had there, Vadim. It's going to be great. I played zero gigs. (laughs) (laughs) I played one for both of us. (laughs) But Vadim, you took place in the Furnace Fest documentary that was being filmed. Are we allowed to talk about that? I think so. I didn't have to sign any uh, NDAs or anything. There's some Furnace Fest documentary happening, and they interviewed Vadim. And, you know, I talked to Vadim about this. I felt I should have been interviewed as well. I was at the fest in 2003. I'm a major player in the world of music now. And uh, I feel feel that my opinion matters. How about you guys? (laughs) I second that opinion. Yeah, you you, you matter. I don't matter at all. My opinion does not matter whatsoever. Josh, were you interviewed too? No, they did. They did interview the band, but um, I was running merch then. Ah, yeah. So I know that Adam and Jay and Will all went and did the interview. Josh, are you upset that you were not part of the interview? No, I had a freaking blast selling merch, talking to people. Like I haven't done that in years. And even at like the last shows that we played in like New York and Charlotte, we had somebody doing merch for us and we didn't bring anybody. So I was like, well, you know what, man, I'm just going to go do it. I want to go talk to people. And like, it was so energizing and fun to meet people from all over the place. And like, if I hadn't stood there and done that for hours, I wouldn't have met most of these people. I think the merch table is underrated. If I go to the fest again, I want to be working a table of some sort because then I have an excuse to sit for three days <laughs> instead of having to stand breaking my legs and i won't feel bad having done that because i have a job to do i have a purpose that's a huge part of it for me too i think like having a task i always liked selling merch too uh when i used to do it for you know this day forward and stuff because you got to meet uh, a lot of people that way and i think i've met a bunch of people just by being at the merch table when they happen to come by and uh, people, you know, that I've remained friends with to this day. So in that sense, it's really cool. At a festival, though, when there's this many bands that I wanted to see after not seeing live music for a long time, I think I'd prefer not to be at the merch table. Yeah, this was tough because it was such a rare collection of bands. But I'm with you, Vadim. I typically like to work the table because I'm awkward anyway. And I don't know. I just it's like if I'm at the table and I have a purpose I feel good. I feel confident. I know what I have to do. And then people have to come to me. Yeah. I'll tell you what, the people working the tables, they made way more in tips than I've ever heard of in my life. Like I remember we would put out uh, tip jars every now and then you might end up with like 10 extra dollars at the end of the night. I had a friend who was doing merch for Shai Hulud and she was like, I made $200 in a few hours just in tips. I was like, what? Yeah. What's the deal with this documentary? Well, I don't really know too much about it, honestly. I know that there was a film crew that was filming a a large chunk of the sets, and I think there was at least three cameramen live on stage, as well as on the main, you know, plug your holes, whatever that main stage is called now. Um, They had that one camera that would kind of like 
swoop in from the back towards the front on the zip line, which was in- incredibly, incredibly uh, distracting, at least on Friday, if you were watching from the crowd. Because it was like, yeah, like in my peripheral, like every two minutes, you would see this thing just like coming down. But they probably got some pretty cool shots. So I think the idea is, is they're going to put together live footage as well as the, the a documentary on the festival coming back after 20 years. You know, the whole thing was that this festival was around in the early 2000s and there was this long period where there was inactivity. And then now, you know, the festival had made a comeback and then with the the COVID delay, probably a fascinating story. And so the interviews, I believe, were uh, to get sound bites from from bands that have played, whether it was this year or from years past. And I mean, I was asked specifically um, by the guys to do it because This Day Forward had played um, for three of the years. And so my questions and, and my my stories that I told were, were mostly from the earlier festivals. And then, you know, they, they asked certain things with comparing the, the past festivals to present day, um, which, you know, I can talk about that later, like what the differences were. I'm sure, I'm sure you guys both have stuff to contribute to that as well, but pretty standard. I mean, I would imagine with the amount of interviews they did over the course of three days, like if I do get into the documentary, uh, it's going to end up being like, five second segment or something you know well i'm looking forward to seeing it i'm gonna pull the clip vadim and post it and say look here is northeast scene guest vadim Tavor talking <laughs> about the good old days this is assuming i i make it in again yeah. I, I i might be i might be cut well if if you don't make it in we're gonna get that footage and it'll be an exclusive northeast scene <laughs> post <laughs> where we post your thoughts on the fest but uh gentlemen i want to circle back a little bit and we're going to get some some individual experiences and then uh talk about some of the fun we had but josh let's start with you now this was a big deal for you josh because these were the first hopes fall gigs that you guys played since 2018 correct correct yeah. So it's our first Hope Swall gig since 2018, and it's your first time playing Furnace Fest since what, 2003 or something like that? Yeah, the last one, 2003. Yeah. So this is this is a big deal. I mean, how did you feel going into this? Were you and the band bursting with excitement and anticipation? I, dude, honestly, yeah. Like I thought the fest was going to be extra special, just because the lineup. It was like. I mean, we talked about this. It was like a high school reunion with all of your favorite bands, you know? And so I had high expectations going into the thing. I was super stoked that we got to be a part of it. Um, And it was just beyond good. It was beyond what I expected it to be. And I expected it to be good. It was incredible. And that was everybody's reaction. I am with you on that because in my mind, I didn't remember the sheer amount of people like in my mind, it was a small crowd in front of that shed stage in the middle. But during your set, that entire building was filled with people spilling out to the back. So standing up there on that stage and looking out at that crowd must have been unbelievable. It was, it was rad. It like, I, it it happened so fast that when we got on stage, like when you're, you run over there, you're setting up your gear you know, you're looking for the sound guy to be like, okay, let me just get a little kick and snare. And then it's like, boom, you're playing. 
it was like over and done with before. So I feel like it went by so fast on stage that I don't have much memory of it. Yeah. But just the rest of the fest was so exemplary. Honestly, like that was my, that was my big takeaway on that. The show, the pictures looked great. We had a buddy of ours come down and like get us a bunch of photos. So we'd have things to post and like just looking at it, I was like, dude, that's badass. <laughs> yes. You know, since Vadim was kind enough to get me the artist pass, I could be a stage potato and hang out on the side and looking <laughs> almost from the band's perspective and just looking out at that crowd, I was like, oh my God, that's like, that's quite a sight. It was big. That's got to be one of the larger crowds. I think we played them maybe like, 5,000 people once at this festival in um, Belgium. But I think besides that, this is probably the, the largest crowd of people we'd ever played to. Let's talk a little bit about preparing for the fest, Josh. Now, yeah. unfortunately, Ryan Parrish was unable to make it on guitar. We had Will Goodyear filling in. How much notice did he have? How, how was he able to learn all the songs? I'm always fascinated by that. Like, how much time and how did you guys work it out? Okay, so... Will actually, and this this kind of goes back to involving Vadim. Twenty twenty, Poison the Well was going to play in Boston. We were going to play that show too, and Ryan had just gotten like a new job back then and wasn't going to be able to do it. So we, I'd already started teaching Will the some of the songs, like going pretty far back. And so, and plus Will had played in the band for months on tour with us filling in before. Oh, so really? He, when? Yeah. In 2003, I think he went out with us for four or five months. Oh, wow. And so it's like, we already had that relationship kind of established and we had talked about it. So when Ryan was like, Hey man, we got to see what's going on with Furnace Fest. You know, I was like, all right, well, I'm just going to get Will back up to speed because he's already kind of been prepared before. So we were prepared for that uh, eventuality. Oh, that's good. So, yeah, in my mind, I'm like, oh, he just gets the word two weeks before and has to do a crash course. But no, he already had experience for the position. Yeah, yeah, quite a bit. It was fun, really. We just hung out and drunk beers and like played guitar when you get into town. <laughs> that sounds like a lot of fun, actually. I honestly, I didn't know that, that Will had played with you either until uh, we had talked about it at the festival, because I, I mean, I, I think he did such a great job. I mean, I, I just, I want to go on record and say like, that was one of the best fill in whatever you want to call it sets I had ever seen. It's, you never know what you're going to get when you get somebody who's not an active member of a band. So I had assumed the same that Keith did, which is the, uh, that Will had to learn the songs fairly rushed you know within the last maybe few weeks or a month or whatever and I, and I know he's a a, gr a great musician obviously um between the buried and me is a pretty technical band when he played with them um but he did such a great job and uh you know as unfortunate as it was that ryan couldn't make the show i mean will was amazing he he did awesome he he sang the songs uh, what I was saying to, and you know, Josh, correct me if if I'm wrong, but uh, in my opinion, when you have fill-ins, usually they they take the the rhythm parts because they're oftentimes more simpler to play. Uh, and Will had played the majority of the leads uh, in on, in your set, 
from from what I had seen from the side of the stage. I mean, I was I was on stage left, so I was I was on his side, and to 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 play that stuff and to sing it with the uh, precision that he did was very impressive. Will's real good at music. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. like like I wasn't worried one bit. I was like, oh yeah, Will's got it. Like it's fine. I noticed that too, Vadim. I was I was looking to see if he was playing leads or rhythm, and I was like, well, this guy just must be a pro. That's accurate. Exceptionally trained musician, you could tell. Well, I'm glad y'all felt that way. That 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 it showed up that way. Yeah, it was spot on. And Josh, you got to play the warm up gig too. So when did you find out about this? How does this come together? There was a gig Thursday night. Before the fest at Club Saturn in Birmingham. Which was an awesome club, by the way. But that was all the Emory guys. Uh, they set that up. Um, Matt uh, runs that labeled podcast. about kind of. It's kind of about like tooth and nail. Do you know which one I'm talking about? Oh, I've heard about that. Yes. Yeah. He does a really good job with it. But anyway, he had recently interviewed Ryan on that. And um, stayed in touch. Was like, hey, we're thinking about doing a pre-show a couple nights before like you guys want to be in. We were like, heck yeah. And they, they put it together with our booking agent, Eric. And, um, it was great, but that was like thrown, like, I mean, less than a month, maybe a month and a half notice. Yeah, it was, uh, it was an excellent set. And of course it's good for the band. Cause you get to play together with will, you mm-hmm. know, make mm-hmm. sure everything's cool and get ready for the fest. Right. Yeah. And they had cool lights and great sound. Josh, we have to tell the funny story. Now, I I saw you Thursday night at that show. I said hi to you. Yeah. Tell the people what happened. Well, okay. So <laughs> this is this gets this is bad because it's like it's really more about when we hung out at the fest with Vadim on Friday. Yes. What, you remember when we were chilling in that in that little like behind the food trucks area yep. there? I was like because Vadim was like, oh, hey, it's Keith. And I was like, oh, hey, Keith. And I thought you were some in from a band that I, like we had played with in the past. Like I didn't put it together. There was like, oh, Keith, that I've talked to for hours <laughs> <laughs> on the internet, <laughs> like doing these podcasts. It was like, so your voice is familiar. You're friends with Vadim, you know, and I'm like, what band is Keith in? Fuck. And I was really self-conscious about it because I couldn't place where you were from. And so I was feeling kind of awkward while we were talking. So I ended up telling the same damn story that I already told you on the podcast. <laughs> and I didn't figure it out. So Vadim, you were sitting there when I was like talking about the whole back injury thing. That's funny. No, but that was on Friday. But when did you finally figure out it was me, Josh? Sunday. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know that. I had no idea. That's no. so funny. <laughs> so I was like, I know, I know you, and I just can't place it. And I was, it was, it was, it was killing me. You know, it's funny. I was thinking about it, Josh. Like when you were telling the story Friday, I was even making references to the podcast. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I realized, Josh? I, I was a bit presumptuous. I felt dumb being like. Hey, I'm Keith from the Northeast Scene Podcast, you know? So I just said, hey, it's Keith. I think I need to say the whole thing. Because, you know, people in bands meet so many people. I got to, like, laser focus it. 
I would, this yeah. is where your business cards probably would have come in handy, Keith. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what? I I did, and I told Josh this on the phone. I I've been I was embarrassed. I've been talking to uh, Stacy, uh, the bass player from Casket Lottery. You know, and he's like, "Oh, come say hi," and I'm like, "Cool." I picked the worst possible time to go say hi to him, of course, because I'm so awkward. Like, I waited for them to finish packing up after their set, and. Uh, the next band started playing. So I go over and I tap him and I'm like, hey, it's Keith. And he's like, what? And I'm like, hey, it's Keith. And he just kind of like turns away. (laughs) (laughs) And I was like, oh, he doesn't know it's me. So then I I just like, later on, I texted him. I was like, hey, man, that was me. Uh, Who said hi to you during the band? He was like, oh, I couldn't hear anything. And I was like, yeah, I know. So. You need like a shtick or something. Like you know how there was that guy in the bacon costume that was moshing. Yes. Like like you need something like that to help you stand out. Can I say something about the about the pre shows? Just just kind of uh, some some thoughts. So I I wasn't there for uh, any of them because I had arrived on Thursday night, so I'd missed the pre shows. But um, as someone who has played festivals before, the first thing I want to mention is that I'm really I was kind of surprised, but at the same time really like relieved not not relieved what's the right word i'm looking for i guess i just thought it was really cool that the festival even allowed for bands to have other shows in the city um from bands that were playing the festival because uh, a lot of major festivals they have these uh, uh vicinity clauses where if you play a festival you're not allowed to play anywhere within a certain mileage uh, of like a radius surrounding the festival like i know coachella does that um, there, there's a, there's a few other major festivals that do that and they do that so that the, the people that want to see those bands, they're only going to come to the festival to see them play. So I thought that that was really cool that Furnace Fest did absolutely nothing like that at all. They were like, okay, we realize that a lot of these bands haven't played together for a long time. And also to make it more worth their while here, they can play additional shows, you know, because it's, I don't think any single band would really uh make or break somebody coming to the festival i I mean maybe i'm wrong in that but that that would be my opinion you know i know a lot of people were upset when poison the well uh, announced that we weren't going to play but then in the same exact announcement glassjaw was announced and i think for a lot of people it was kind of like okay well that's great you know like that's that's a I was stoked. Like, I'm like, all right, I get to see glass gel. Like that's a, that's an awesome replacement. You know, I don't think one band would be like, Oh, I want my money back. I want a refund. So I wanted to say that the exclusivity uh, clause was, was not there um, for, uh, for, for the vicinity of Birmingham. But on top of that, it was really amazing how many shows were happening in Birmingham on that Thursday night, because it was like Los Angeles. Like I'm used to this kind of thing here in Southern California. I mean, like any given night you can have like, five or six tours that are all playing at various venues. Like Los Angeles is a huge city with a giant population, but you had these, I think there was four, right? Four, or maybe even five uh, pre-shows that all happened on Thursday night and they were all packed or uh, like sold out, you know? So I think that that's incredible in itself, that there were that many people in attendance that they were able to fill these venues for all of the other, these other shows. Yeah, it was cool, and I think it's only going to benefit everybody. All of the local residents get a swath of amazing shows, which they probably don't usually get. The bands get to play some warm-up gigs and get everything in order for the festival. You know, everybody benefits. Not only that, I honestly think, like, Furnace Fest endorsed it. They were like, these are the official pre-party night before shows. They did, yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, so that was really cool. I mean, I I have to give them props for that because, again, like I said, I know there's other festivals that definitely frown upon things like that. Like they make you sign contracts where, like, we're you're not playing within 400 mile radius of the festival or something like that. Yeah, um, which was not the case here. So, Vadim, let's talk to you a little bit about your experience. Now, you were slated to play a full opposite of December set with Poison the Well. Now, were you very disappointed that the set didn't get to happen? Or are you such a seasoned professional at this point that you know it's just part of the game and that there will be another show at a later time? I guess both. Um, I mean, I was definitely upset that I couldn't play. You know, I really, really wanted to perform. Um, yeah. But I kind of uh, suspected that it's it's it, you know it may happen, it may not happen, just because everything was kind of up in the air for the last year and a half. You know, um, we had only played one show last year in January, and we we were supposed to have like a year's worth of shows all over the place. And as Josh mentioned, you know, there was a Boston, and I don't want to say you know <laughs> where else because they're still probably going to get rescheduled. But that was supposed to be the case for Furnace as well. There were supposed to be some shows leading up to it, and some shows post um, Furnace as and Furnace being sort of like the the central point of it. So you know, knowing that the other shows either fell through or like the venues could only fill to partial capacities or, you know, vaccine requirements, like whatever, whatever the case, there would be some issue that led me to believe it's like a 50, 50 chance, you know, and that wasn't just for poison. A well, I kind of, you know, until it happened, I didn't know if this whole thing was going to happen. You know what I mean? You, you just, you just don't know. You could have a Hellfest 2005 situation, um, at the last moment where everything gets canceled, you know, I'm glad that I went though, you know, I'm very, very glad as, as soon as I found out that we weren't going to be able to do it. I was like, I can't miss this for the reason that Josh mentioned earlier, which is it's basically like a giant reunion. So f- for me, I'm in a unique place where it's not only um, seeing like all these awesome bands who I'm, I'm a big fan of a lot of these bands, but a lot of them happen to be people that I know, like old friends, bands that I've toured with in the past, and a lot of people that I haven't seen in person, um, whether they're in bands or, you know, just attendees. So I'm not even exaggerating. I think I saw probably between two and 300 people that I knew, may- maybe more over the course of the weekend, you know, and many, many of them were people that I haven't seen in an extremely long, long time, like 10 years, 15 years. So, you know, it's bittersweet. It definitely sucked that uh, we were not able to play, but I'm really glad that I went. And if anything, you know, I was looking at it like, well, I don't have to worry about any scheduling conflicts because Saturday was definitely like the best day in my opinion, where I, just ton of bands I wanted to see. And so I didn't have to worry about like, well, I have to play here. So that blocks out like an hour before an hour after and, and play time, you know, and I, I would be missing like Jeremy Nick or something like that, you know? So I didn't have to worry about that. Yeah. Saturday was by far the best day I had. I had gotten accustomed to things. My energy level was up. I wasn't tired and sick of everything yet. Like I kind of was on Sunday. So, you know, Saturday was just right on. And Vadim, I have to say, I'm so happy that you made the decision to go because I probably wouldn't have gone if you didn't go because I didn't really know anybody else and it would have just been weird. And I have to say, I was there was a period Saturday or Sunday, I can't remember, where we were separated for a bit and I was pretty bummed. 
I was not having that great a time. You know, when we were hanging out, watching bands together, talking shit, talking to people, having a good time, it was really, really fun. Yeah, I had a great time hanging out with you too, man. I mean, you're like one of my oldest friends. Like, we've known each other for 20, what, 22 years, 23 years. So, yeah, it was awesome. I'm glad we got to spend that time together. Same here. So let's talk about our favorite bands that we saw. Now, we're going to start with you, Josh. Give it to us. Is there going to be a section where we talk about what we missed? Oh, yeah. I alluded to this in the previous episode of the Northeast Scene, uh, some of my disappointments, uh, which I will happily share again. But uh, we're <laughs> going to let's start with the positives first. Yeah. Okay. All right. Positives is that I like rolled up, like as I was walking in, like kind of waiting in line, figuring out like where do we go to sign in for the bands? I got to watch CU Space Cowboy. Cause they were in that stage that was right, like kind of at the front. Do you remember that on the, the left? Stage, yeah. Yes. Heart I'm sorry. Support. God damn it. Yeah. Heart support stage. So that was great. So that was like the intro at like 1230 in the morning, walk up. I'm like, okay, I, I freaking dig this band. Then I went straight to defeater, which was amazing. And then for the next nine hours, it was just like a blur. And I can honestly tell you, it's like, I, I don't have like an overarching, that was the seminal moment. This was the best part of it. Any single band, like everybody was up, like the energy was big the whole time. But I think like, if I had to go back, I'd seen most of the bands as we toured with so many of them that I really want to see. So I was excited to see turnstile. I've never seen them. I'd never seen knock loose and um, I'd never seen defeater. Defeater were those, great, yeah. Those three bands were, were really cool. If I had to say what it was, but it was probably because I hadn't seen them before, but everybody put on a fucking, I felt like a real banger of a show that I went and saw. A hundred percent, a hundred percent. And yeah, I, you know, I, I shared all my favorites in the last episode. So folks, if you missed it, go back and listen to that. I'm not going to, I'm not going to take away time from these gentlemen now to say it again, but what I will say is I'm so happy about the structure of the fest because I got to watch a lot of bands I wouldn't see normally. For example, CU Space Cowboy. I caught their set from across the pond when I was sitting down. They sounded excellent. Like, I, I wouldn't go see a CU Space Cowboy show normally on my own, but because of the fest, I got to see a ton of bands that I wouldn't normally see, and I think everybody was just on fire. Yeah. I, I think that the, the energy was so big. It must have been like first shows back, but just the, also the like the vicinity of the fest. It was easy, even if you had an overlap. It was easy to catch a piece of both bands. Yep. I don't know if y'all had that experience. Oh, I was running around like a lunatic so I could film pieces of certain bands or catch a, a song or two of a band I hadn't seen before. My mm-hmm. brain was on overload. I was like, this many bands <laughs> that are awesome are not supposed to be playing at once. Like. There's an aberration in the Matrix. Something's wrong. Yeah. So, Vadim, your favorites. Let's hear it. So, I only really went to see bands that were favorites of mine from, you know, like the 90s and the 2000s and or Friends. I didn't really check out any new bands, unfortunately. Just too much, you know, like just too much going on. So, from the older bands, (laughs) um, I mean, my favorites were, were Mineral uh, just blew me away. And that's a band I've been listening to for, you know, close to 25 years. So it's great to see them. Uh, Jer- Jeremy Enoch played amazing. Uh, Code 7, 
Um, even though they had some sound issues, you know, I just love the band so much. Um, uh, Hope's Fall did a great job. You know, you guys did awesome. Uh, Glassjaw, Caven, Converge. Um, I was actually really impressed with Defeater as well. Uh, so I knew their singer, Derek, from a long, long time ago. He used to sing in a band called Transistor Transistor. And I knew him from way back then because of the Hot Cross guys, who were dude, dudes I was friends with. I used to go on tour with them every now and then. Um, but I have never seen Defeater. And that was Keith, that was the first band we saw, right? Like right when we got there, we went to we went to catch Defeater and they blew me away. I mean, I, I was I just I, I was actually kind of mad at myself that I haven't listened to them this whole time, you know? Because I've I've heard the name before and even the fact that I knew Derek, like it makes it even shittier that I should have listened to him earlier. So I apologize, uh, if Derek, if you listen to this, but it was awesome. I was super impressed with them and were cool too. You know, I, I, I've only heard the band for the first time like a month ago uh, because uh, Greg, the guitar player of that band is actually mixing my solar record. So it was awesome to meet him in person and to see them play. I thought that they did an excellent job. Thursday was cool to see again. You know, I basically, I think I listed off most of, uh, and get up kids, of course, uh, closing out the, the fest on Sunday. Yeah, that was a excellent, excellent set. Vadim, I think you and I are pretty in sync as far as uh, what we like the best. And yeah, I've been meaning to check out that Defeater record since we got back. So thank you for the reminder. There's this song in my head that I can hear. It has like all these harmonics. I'm like, I need to hear the recorded version of that now. I'm happy that you mentioned End because I think I forgot to mention them on the last episode. Amazing band. They killed it. I mean, they they really did a good job. Keith, do you remember I had mentioned that the guitar player stage left on during Defeater had like a really unique guitar? Do you, yes. do you remember? I was I was like nerding out about it super hard. So I actually talked to Derek about it and he's like, oh, let me get you in touch with dude from the band. And like, I kind of forgot about it. And I got a message this week from the guitar player. of He's like, hey, I'm, you know, play guitar in, in Defeater. And I heard you were in, interested in this guitar. He's like, if you want, I'll send you like an intro. I'll get you, you know, because it's, it's some local company, I think, based out of Massachusetts. And I can't remember the name of it offhand, but um, I was like, oh man, honestly, I'm not on the market for a new guitar. But that was a super, super awesome looking and sounding guitar. So I, I might look into getting what that guy was playing in the yeah. future. Who knows? Maybe it's only like 500 bucks or something. We'll see. You can afford that. <laughs> yeah, I just, I just don't, I don't need another guitar. I have so many guitars at the How moment. How many do you have? Uh, I think seven. Um, Whoa. And some basses too. But like, I'm actually looking to get a new bass before I get anything because my basses are not that great and I need like a proper bass. I have uh, one guitar that works and two that are broken. Those are the ones you bring with you to the show and then smash during the last song. Dude, have you ever done that, Vadim? I haven't. No, I'm just no, I'm talking shit. <laughs> no. I, I I feel too bad smashing the guitar because I'm like, ah, oh, it's you know I guitar's do a guitar. It, I couldn't yeah. do it. Plus, like there's that fear of it not breaking and then you look like an asshole. Like that um, <laughs> who who just did that recently? I think it was Phoebe Bridgers, right? Like I think yep. it was on SNL. She tried to smash a guitar and it didn't work. Yeah, it's hard <laughs> to smash a guitar. Because I remember Vadim, one time we were at the Shaw house, Mike Shaw's house, and remember that red I think it was a Jackson guitar with the shelter sticker on it? Vaguely. Yeah, like so we we were gonna like smash it. 
So someone took it out into the street and was trying to smash it, and it, it was, like, really hard. <laughs> and then I think Mike's mom got really pissed off. Yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> I would think I would want to do something cool, like throwing her off a bridge or something and then taking a video. That'd probably be yeah. cool. Or light it on fire or something, you know? I guess this is somebody else's guitar. But if it was my own guitar, I wouldn't do any of those things. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm in, I'm, I feel you, man. I'm in the same boat. Well, we talked about our favorite things at Furnace Fest. Now, let's talk about some of our least favorite things. Now, Friday night, my beef was the food truck lines. I don't know what was going on. I don't know, like, but I was, you know, I didn't bring any. Well, first of all, you couldn't bring any food. So I was like, I'll get something to eat at one of the food trucks. It'll be fine. Three hours. Three hours. I missed 18 Visions, Zayo. And 99% of every time I die, because I was waiting in line for food. But I was like, I, I have to eat. I, I can't not eat, or I'm going to be miserable. So that was the only negative thing that I experienced. I, I think that they'll, they'll, like, next year, like, they'll have that sorted. They'll have yeah. way more vendors. Like, everything that was, like, that was a bummer there. Because that was, that was tough. Like, I barely ate. Because <laughs> I was just, like, running around too much. I'm like, I'm not getting in that line. No, I was just going to complain about the fact that I missed bands that I wanted to see because um, because when we were playing, like, so I missed the beautiful mistake who we toured with back in the day. I missed Code Seven. I missed Glory Record. I missed Mineral, and I missed the Blood. And like that yeah. was the that that was the only thing because I wanted to see all of those bands. <laughs> and I missed the Casket Lottery. Uh, I agree with uh what josh just said i mean it was basically just the crossovers that were a bummer but that's going to be the case at almost any festival and especially if you are a music head like if you're going to a festival to watch live music um rather than just going to hang out yeah lots lots of uh bands got missed because uh they were they were just playing at the same time and i also did get to walk from stage to stage and and do like partial sets but um unfortunately the times that i did do that it ended up being where like i missed something i really wanted to see such as like when thursday uh covered a texas is the reason song uh because norm was playing guitar with them i missed that because i was walking over to try to catch the end of zeo and by the time i got to the stage zeo was playing they just finished so i was like damn it and yeah there was you know stretch armstrong would have been cool to see because that's a band that we played with quite a bit and they were playing at the same time as mineral. So I, I couldn't miss that. Uh, like you said, beautiful mistake would have been cool to see. They were at the same time as you. Cause I had just met a couple of the guys at the festival and they were really, really they're nice guys. Yeah. They're yeah. Good really nice guys. I, I enjoyed uh, talking with them. So a few cases like that, but for the most part, again, you know, I, I hate to keep comparing this to other festivals, but I guess that's part of the conversation. Other festivals I've been to, the stages were much, much farther apart. I mean, the 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 general vicinity of of this entire grounds, you didn't really have to walk all that far to go from stage to stage. So it was very reasonable to try to catch half a set and then catch another half a set from another band. I mean, it only took at the most, you know, five minutes to walk from one stage to the other stage. So that was a very uh, nice thing. That was very positive. I, I heard mention that next year they might try to add another stage. And if that's the case, I think that would be too much. You know, I think I think three stages is plenty. Just just leave it how it is. You know, there's already enough crossover. 
So we don't want to, you don't want to have even more conflict than you already have. I think people's heads just explode. You know what I noticed too? So, so that, the big stage, the level X stage, more people can watch bands play on that stage than the shed stage, the plug your hole stage. But the, but that shed stage is like the iconic stage. Like that's the one that has been around for all the years. And that's like what people think of when they, when they think of Furnace Fest, in my opinion. So I wish there was a way that more people can see the bands. Cause I feel like, I, I mean, I, I really feel like every time I was in that stage, it was completely packed inside of that, inside of that shed, you know, no matter who was playing at, at any time, it always looked like it was completely packed in. So I feel like it was kind of always at capacity. So, I mean, I don't know if, if this is like reasonable to think, but if they can build some sort of like siding uh, where it's like, like a sort of like a tiered, like balcony kind of thing. I mean, I don't know that if that's even remotely possible, but then at least like more people can watch because all of those people that were sitting on um, the concrete on the outsides, I mean, that's super dangerous. Obviously the fire marshals came and kind of like put the kibosh on that on Saturday, um, but if there was a way to sort of have this like additional viewing area, I think that that would make it a lot cooler because I feel like the bands that played the plug your whole stage were mostly the bands that had played the festival in the past. And then the people that the bands that had played the level X stage, a lot of them, they, they, they did play the festival also, but they were able to have like a larger audience just because it was like in an open field. Yeah. Even if there was a ton of people there, you could still kind of walk around to the side and right up to the front to see the band for those other stages. And yeah, the shed stage was tough. Like I, I ran over to catch a couple songs of knocked loose and you couldn't get anywhere near it. It was, there was just so many people, even in the artist entrance. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Once it gets, once it gets to that capacity, then at that point, it's like, you're kind of fucked. Like you're not going to be able to really like get a, a good viewing spot if you're able to even get in there at all. And then my only other real complaint that I had was that the small stage, the heart support stage, where coincidentally, I think most of the softer bands had played, you know, like Mineral, Code 7, a, bu- a bunch of like the Get Up Kids, like they had all played this other stage. It wasn't as loud. The actual PA itself, I feel like was way lower in volume than the other ones. So when you had like a super loud band playing the level X stage, which wasn't really, or, or I'm sorry, the, the shed stage, which wasn't that far away, it was overpowering some of the bands that were maybe playing on clean guitar versus like having distorted parts. You know, you could still hear like the super loud band over it. So um, I, I don't know if you guys got that too, like where the volume itself was, was lower on the PA for that smaller stage. I heard people say that. Yeah, I I guess I'm... Yeah, it was lower. Because, I mean, I would be over at the hard support stage and I could hear shrieking coming from the shed stage, so... Yeah, I think it was significantly lower. Like, like way, way lower than the other ones. I don't know. I didn't... I didn't notice that, but, like, the bands I wanted to see, I got up real close to. Yeah, that kind of solved that. Like, um... Jeremy Enyik, you know, he's either playing an acoustic... Jeremy Enyik. I always say Enyik. I think that's wrong. Jeremy Enyik. He was either playing a piano or an acoustic guitar, and he was up against Death Heaven. But I was right up front, so I I pretty much just heard him while he was playing, even though Death Heaven was playing the Shed stage in the background. So you could, I could really only hear the bleed over in between songs. But he can hear it even himself on stage. He, he made a, a joke about hearing metal from from the main stage like so uh, well clearly like just playing acoustic guitar 
is difficult to do at a festival setting. I mean, I think Jeremy Enoch is the only one who did that in the entire entire festival, you know. For the quieter bands that played that stage, I think that was the case oftentimes when they got less rockin', you know, when they kind of got into their quiet sections. Like Casket Lottery had that problem. When I watched Casket Lottery for a few songs, when they when they got lower in volume and went to their clean parts, you can still clearly hear um, whoever was playing you know, the, the main stage at the time, because it was much, much louder. And it was like a heavier band with like a lot of gain on the guitars and everything. So I don't know if that's, that's my, like, one of my criticisms would be like, if they can somehow increase the DB of, of the PA systems, like for that particular stage. So, I, you know, can't have everything be perfect, right? I mean, there was way, way more great things than bad things. So I don't want to sound like I'm being negative about about the festival. No, I think it was run really well. I had a great time. And yeah, I'm again, I'm just really glad that I went because that's the first leisure trip I've taken since, I don't know, 2017 to get to see all of those bands in one show and see people that I haven't seen in person since, I don't know, 2002. Josh, you're one of them. Yeah. Um, and Vadim, we really got to connect. I don't think I've hung out with you that long, in the like for that long of a stretch since a This Day Forward tour. Uh, I just I was on a real high, uh, and when I came home, I was I was still on a real high, and I reconnected with a lot of bands I haven't listened to or seen in a long time, and I think overall it was just amazing, and uh, it's something I will remember for the rest of my life. Yeah, I felt privileged to be there, truly. Yeah. Yeah. Same. The whole Same. time. And we definitely should give a shout out to the organizers of the festival, to you know, to Chad and Ryan and, and all the other guys. I mean, specifically, I want to give them a shout out because they got me into the festival, even though, you know, we canceled and couldn't play. Like, I, I didn't, I haven't met them in person or if i did it was so long ago I, you know i haven't stayed in touch with them and i didn't even remember what they look like and and all that was required was an email like li- i literally sent them an email i said hey you know i played the festival so and so like you know i couldn't play this year with poison the well and i'm buying my own airfare to make it out there if there's any chance you guys might be able to help me get in because it's just otherwise it would just be too expensive on my end um and they were like, no problem. We got you plus one for all state, you know, all access. And I was like, what? Like that, that fucking so, rules. Just so that amazing. Rules. You know, just so amazing. So I want to, I want to thank them a lot. And then also uh, sometimes you hear about like the Southern, the Southern charm and the Southern hospitality, right? Well, I have a few, a few friends who I would say were even more acquaintances that just let me stay at their house, particularly okay. So Al- Allison Drake, I wanna I wanna send like a huge thank you to her because she's somebody that I had only known briefly for when she toured w- with Love Is Red in like 2002 or something when this day forward toured with them, and she was like, "Yeah, you can stay at my house." She put me up for the whole time at, at her house. Like I-, I slept in in her daughter's room. Um, her daughter slept with with her in the living room. And then she's like, oh, and you could you can also use a car. Like she gave me a car that I can use for the entire weekend. This is someone I barely know. So I mean, that's just like unheard of, you know? Like, um, so thank you so much for that. And and of course to Elise too, because Elise kind of took us around. She was like our local um friend, and she also helped me get in touch with Allison uh to that set up the the place to stay. So I mean, really awesome people and 
I I wouldn't have been able to come out had it not been for for those people helping me out because of financial things. Yeah, it was a good crew. I was happy to hang out with them. And, and uh, yes, big shout out to the organizers of the fest because I was Vadim's plus one. And look, I, I got to have an artist pass and come and go freely as I pleased backstage, on stage. And you know, I always like to feel important. And you know what? That's what's important. <laughs> <laughs> it was also a nice pay it forward too, Keith, because your pass that you didn't get to use, we had given to Allison, who gave it to one of her son's friends. So one of her son's friends, I believe, was able to go to the festival as well. So that right. was pretty nice. It was like a nice pay it forward thing. I didn't even remember that. Yeah, because I I just bought a ticket. I you know I just wanted to go to the fest, so I was like, well, I bought the ticket anyway, so whatever. Let me give it to somebody who needs it. Because you see, folks. It's about giving back. And here at the Northeast scene, no, I'm just I'm just rambling on. <laughs> Tommy. Yes. I'm sure you are just teeming with regret now that you didn't get to attend the fest and have all this fun with us. Uh, tell us your thoughts as you sit here and hear this recap. I mean, it sounds like I missed some really awesome bands. I think that the big thing is is that uh, there's a whole list of bands I now have to go and listen to because th- there was a couple bands that you were like, oh, they were great. And I was like, I don't really know their catalog. Like, I got to go and listen to that. Yeah, I have to admit, when Tommy, s- I said, Mineral, Tommy, I saw Mineral. He was like, I never really heard them. And I, and I <laughs> said, I have to find a new host for the show. I was very upset. <laughs> Man, yeah, I don't really know. Yeah, the power of feeling records. You'd probably really like End. I think. I think. Oh, that's I know one that. Band. I I know End, yeah. but I I I literally know like two tracks. Yeah, that's a band you would definitely be really into. Oh, they're great. Yeah, but Tommy, what questions do you have for our panel here? What are what what are, what's piquing your curiosity? No, I think we did a good job of going through like what was good and what was bad. And Vadim, you kind of. It kind of hit the nail on the head with like being able to give like constructive feedback of like, hey, look, just like we can make sure the decibels are louder on the PA at the soft stage or at the uh, bands that are not as heavy stage. Um, and I think one of the things that like I I guess trying to like picture what it looked like in my head is the the most difficult part. Trying to wrap my head around like where you guys were walking and where how far everything was a- apart from each other because I'm in my head I'm going like I heard. I mean, I saw tons of video clips and I'm like, how is there anybody playing music within a couple miles? <laughs> like, <laughs> that seemed crazy to me, like that they were able to kind of, you know, run multiple stages at the same time without the, you know, extreme bleed over. Like, I know there was some kind of, you know, bleeding over, but uh, not crazy. But um, I don't really have any questions. I mean, you guys did a really great recap of it. And Tommy, we have insiders here from celebrated bands Hope's Fall and poison the well. What pressing questions would you like to ask these gentlemen about their respective bands? Uh, when's the This Day Ford reunion? <laughs> oh, yes. man. You guys can't ask me. Come on. Vadim, uh, it's, right. it's tradition that we ask. I was going to say, we. Well, <laughs> I, don't, I have no comment. Let's talk about Furnace Fest of the Past versus now. Now, I, have, I don't have a lot of comparison because I think I was only there one day with this day forward in 2002. But when I walked on those grounds of Sloss Furnace for the first time in, I don't know, almost 20 years, I was like, oh my God. Like I looked at the pond stage and all these memories came flooding back. And I, it was just, it was a real trip. But yeah, let, let's talk about the past versus the present. Vadim, let's start with you. So 
I've played in a lot of weird places in my life. I mean, I've played hundreds and hundreds of shows, as as has Josh. And I mean, I've played like a botanical garden. I've played a ferry that goes around Manhattan. I mean, I've, I've played some weird places. Sloss Furnace is really unlike anything I've, I've ever been to or, or have played since. I mean, for, for those of you who are listening, I mean, I, I highly recommend just do a Google search and just search Sloss Furnace, Birmingham, Alabama, so you can see what this place looks like. To me, uh, you know, being there after, like we played there 01, 02, and 03 with this day forward. So yeah, it's been almost 20 years since I've been there. It was surreal. It was surreal, like to pull up, to see to see it again, you know, to walk in that the, that whole merch area that they set up underneath. I guess it's an overpass there. You know, like I've, I've, I've sat there at the merch table for, for hours and hours and hours in the past. So I'm very familiar with the area where they had the new stage uh, previously was there. There was a uh, I think it was just parking because um, they, they only had two stages in all of the other years that I had gone. And in fact, in 2001, I believe the second stage was basically just a local stage. It wasn't even like all of the touring bands. Everybody was playing that shed stage, that main stage. And the side stage was just sort of like a locals. I mean, I don't know if they did like a pay to play type situation to just get additional um, locals to to come out and sell tickets or whatnot. But it, I mean, there were there was no one on there that I had known. And then by two by o two and o three, they did have that second stage by the fountain. But that the addition of the third stage was definitely something that they needed, considering how much bigger the crowd got. And uh, I mean, it's it's significantly bigger. I would say that. And Josh, you can you can probably help me out with the numbers here, but I would say in, in 2002, 2003, I would I would guess there was maybe three thousand people there, maybe, um, m- maybe even less. I, I Whereas, feel like it might have been even a little like twenty five hundred or something like that. Yeah, like let's say between two and three thousand. Whereas this time they were saying that it was fifteen thousand. So I mean, there was a significant amount of people and so or, or a larger amount of people than those previous years so they obviously had to accommodate for more room and that having that third stage which is kind of out in this open field uh setting up the food trucks all that kind of stuff that that wasn't a uh, part of it before um and i think they needed to do that i think they were expecting to do that now I, what to attribute that to i don't know if that's because of the rise of the internet, you know, the internet has definitely made a lot of this independent music more accessible and therefore like, you know, more quote unquote mainstream. I mean, not really mainstream, but definitely more accessible than what it used to be previously, which is word of mouth and, you know, CD mixes and cassette mixes and all this kind of stuff. But that's, that's obviously the biggest difference was, was the, uh, the attendance, uh, the amount of people that were there was definitely huge with that third stage agreed the the sheer volume of people was you know significantly more obviously but just like the shed stage like it never i think i think it was keith i think you were saying this earlier but it was never not packed like completely packed for the whole new festival for this 2021 but i can remember during the day of like previous festivals there wouldn't be that many you know a couple hundred for some of the early bands, but it was just packed the whole time. And that vibe and that energy, it just felt, it was, I was excited the first time around. I thought this was more exciting and more high energy. Yeah. And, and yeah, Joshua, I, I agree. Like I remember seeing some bands during the day of like a Friday set or, um, 
actually, I think one of the week one of the weekends of the of the previous festivals, it was on a Thursday, Friday, Saturday. So it was like a Thursday day uh, where, yeah, like you could be watching a band in the middle of the day, and there was like maybe a couple hundred people. It was no different than seeing just like a little mini like VFW show or something, you know. Uh, but yeah, this time around, I mean, just packed every, every band had a ton of people watching them, which is great for the artist. I mean, that's, that makes it significantly more worthwhile to go to a festival because, because nothing's worse than like driving 40 hours to play to like, you know, what you could play at, at a local show or something like that. You know, you, you just, you would feel somewhat disappointed where there's that many attendees and you're only playing to a, a small percentage of them but even then you can look at the total number of attendees this time around and you're still playing to a a, a smaller percentage of the, of all the attendees just because there are so many significantly more people but you you didn't miss it one bit though like no, it was just no, no, no. so many people it was so yeah, good. you still see you still yeah. see you see a packed uh a, a packed audience and it doesn't it doesn't matter you're not thinking like oh why are why is there six thousand people not watching me play right now you know when there's already like five thousand watching you know what i mean um okay so one thing you know i i do want to talk about this and 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 this is definitely something that josh i feel like you can add a lot more to that especially because i did hopes fall play the 2000 furnace fest the first one we played i'm pretty damn sure we played all of the furnace fests okay so i only played uh, from a one through Oh three. So I, I didn't play the first one and I, I feel like as a history point, we should mention that the festival did sort of start out as a much more Christian leaning festival, uh, because, because that hasn't, that hasn't been brought up before. And I feel like just for historical sake, we should talk about that. Um, so it was, you know, Chad, the guy who's doing the festival, he used to run a label called Take Hold Records. And I believe Take Hold Records was either a fully Christian label or a majority uh, Christian label. I feel, you know, from my memory, I feel like there definitely was a much larger Christian sort of presence at the festival. And I can give an account of a story that, and that this is this is just something that I personally experienced. Oh, I know um, what this is going to be. You do well. There's there's two, actually two stories. Okay, so the first one is one of the times that this day forward played. I was sitting at the merch table, and someone had come up and they were like, "You guys were so great. That was such an awesome set. Uh, you know, blah blah blah. Are you guys a Christian band?" And I said, "No." And this person just turns around and walks away. <laughs> so you know the the fact that we were that that I said that we were not a Christian band was enough to turn away somebody from purchasing something from which is clearly their intention they 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 wanted to buy something and then because I said that we were not a Christian band they walked away so you know in that sense I I kind of had this little bit of a negative connotation associated with the festival originally this time around I had nothing like that there was there was i feel like there was no kind of like predominantly christian crowd or like predominantly christian bands or anything like that they always did a good job in my experience from 01 to 03 by having a good mix of christian versus non-christian bands but i feel like we definitely should mention the fact that there was a very huge christian presence for this festival um in the early 2000s i mean that was that was definitely a big part of it um, and then the other story I wanted to tell was that um, Most Precious Blood, who are friends of mine, they got banned from the festival, as far as I know. And they got banned for something that wasn't entirely their fault. Uh, I mean, 
maybe you can argue that they kind of egged it on. I mean, so they were, they were a very notorious uh, atheist band. And I considered myself atheist at the time also. I think I lean more towards agnostic these days. I'm an atheist-leaning agnostic, if, if we want to be specific. But So during Most Precious Blood set, there was this group of atheists from Atlanta uh, who proceeded to rip up the Bible during during their set in the pit and were like throwing you know like pages of the bible now looking back on it now that's incredibly stupid and and disrespectful and yeah. is a bunch of 20 year olds just being 20 year olds and doing dumb shit you know and as this was happening there was a group of christian attendees at the festival who were walking around and picking up these pages yeah they the were bible. upset they were very upset I remember that happening. I thought the band did it. No, it was not the band. It ha- and I've talked to Tom about this, you know, a-, a couple times since then because, you know, I wanted to make sure my account of it was accurate and and all of that. But this was not anyone in the band themselves. This was their fans, quote quote unquote, you know, this group of atheists who chose to do this on their own. And then I think the band was basically permanently banned from the festival for something like this happening, which wasn't entirely their fault. I remember being upset about it even then, just because, you know, I wasn't a Christian or anything, but I was like, oh man, these guys are like really bummed out and they looked really upset and they were picking up the pages. And I was like, ah, oh, that's just, that's kind of a shitty vibe. It's shitty. Yeah. It's definitely shitty. And, and, and it's a, it's a dumb, immature thing to do. Even if, you know, you don't hold those beliefs yourself. It's like, just, you know, let people live their lives and let them have their own beliefs. And what, like, that's basically how I live my life now. I'm just like, let anybody do their own thing. People can be into whatever they're into, you know, as long as they're happy in their life, that's the most important thing, you know? And, and that's how I want to be treated myself as well, you know, like from, from other people, like, you, you know, you might not be into the things that I'm into, but let me do the things that I do. And I think that that's a good philosophy to have a, as humans, like a, as a humanity, you know, we should, we should respect others and and their beliefs and, and let them do the things. And and doing something like that, like ripping up the Bible, is definitely a childish, stupid thing, you know. Um, but but I wanted to I wanted to mention that because obviously that that's like ingrained in my memory that that was a huge part of Furnace and the fact that it was like this predominantly Christian uh, festival for something like that to happen. You know, I don't think that that would have happened had it been another festival that didn't have that sort of background. We yeah we put out no wings to speak of on take hold and it's like yeah when we started we were a Christian band and then it was like by the time we were getting to that point and that was still kind of our kind of that was a turning point for us we were kind of at that turning point in our lives where we were moving away from that but it was yeah it did have a much more Christian vibe I think to 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 Vadim's point but I think it was like okay well it's this label that's putting it on you know. And they have this background. So there was going to be that crowd there. But I always thought Chad did a good job of like making sure. I mean, hell, they had like Converge and Dillinger and like they yeah, brought they in the other bands too. They definitely it, made it versatile. Yeah. It was it, for sure. Uh, yeah. 100%. I'm not, I'm not going to say that it was like 100% or, or like even the majority Christian bands, but there were a lot of them. I mean, you could look at the lineup and be like, okay, tooth and nail, tooth and nail, tooth and nail, tooth and nail tooth solid and state, yeah. take hold. You know, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, oh yeah. Clearly. No, I, I agree with you. I, I like, I'm, yeah, I'm confirming what you have to say. I just think that I always still thought, I thought it was cool because it's like coming from that scene. I was like, it's cool that there's a Christian label doing this. 
you know, like getting converge and stuff like that. I just, I thought that was rad, but I had it. Yeah. And I don't remember that most precious blood thing at all. Yeah. I mean, again, that was like one of those things where if you were there you and you saw it, like it, 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 there's no way that's not going to stick with you. You know, just like the people that saw that Andrew WK set in whatever, O2, like no one's going to forget that set because like, I don't even like Andrew w, WK's music whatsoever, but that was one of the most fun sets I had ever seen in my entire life. I mean, Agreed. it was like, like everybody had a smile on their face and was just losing their mind and having the most fun, yeah. you know? And so you can't, you can't forget that moment. Like, just like, I think that particular most precious blood moment, like I will always remember that particular moment. It just stood out to me. Yeah, I, f- I completely forgot the most precious blood thing until you brought it up, Vadim, but I do remember pieces of that Andrew W.K. set, and my most prominent memory from him is his tour bus was there, and there was just a line of people waiting to go into his tour bus to meet him, like, the entire day he was there. Like, he took the time to meet all these people. Yeah, I remember him, like, talking to everybody and being just, like, super stoked and incredibly gracious yep you know he always has been yeah yeah that was that was that was my memory of that and that show was just insanely fun i saw on the facebook uh furnace fest group someone had pointed out that they they had met him that year and uh andrew wk was like give me your address you know and so this this guy wrote down his address for him and didn't think anything of it. And then months go by and then he receives a letter in the mail from Andrew WK, <laughs> like a full on, <laughs> like a full on letter, like thanking him and like remembering specific details about the conversations that, that were, were said. Um, so that's super cool. I mean, like you can't, there's this thing that happens with certain bands when they reach a certain level of success, they sort of become a little bit more distant from their fans uh, sometimes that's a conscious decision. Um, sometimes it just happens that way where they get older. Maybe they feel like it's less relatable, but I love when bands are the opposite of that, where bands sort of, uh, you know, they, they, they can be like, we're just like everybody else. Like we're, n- we're not special, you know, we're just cause we're playing this music doesn't mean we're not one of you and one of and one of the whole and that's how it should be because after all like everyone we're all the same people you know and and i just think that that's awesome that andrew wk was definitely not one of those people that was like above signing autographs and like taking photos with people and like sending them letters after the festival and all this kind of stuff you know uh super huge respect for them uh for him too too that bad is extra uh, cool yeah too bad he um couldn't play this year but circling back to something else that you had said earlier, Vadim, about like when Poison the Well, like when it was announced that it couldn't play, but then they follow that news up with immediately with a well, Glassjaw is they did that really well the whole time. You know, like everything was kind of paired. Every loss was like mitigated with some with like something where you're like, well, that's still pretty goddamn cool. And think about how difficult that is to do for the organizers when when they clearly know, like, hey, we just got a cancellation letter. Clearly, that's going to bum out a bunch of people. But, you know, with everything that's happening in the world, I think you have to go into it, like, expecting that people are going to be a little bit more forgiving because of the circumstances of the world. You know, not just the festival itself, but everything else that's happening. And and you have to take into account that it's it's like you think of them as a band, but a band consists of multiple people. 
all of those people, four, five, six people, can have various things going on in their lives with themselves, with their families, with travel plans, with whatever. Um, so it's not just like a band cancels. You have to think of how many people have to make that happen for the band to even play, you know, to, to put that into perspective. And, and yeah, like big props to the organizers of the festival for like always finding their footing in, 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 in getting replacements and also like breaking the news in such a way where like, guys, please understand that we didn't want this band to cancel, you know, like we wanted them to play just as much as you wanted them to play, but it's just outside of uh, their control. Yeah, there's a lot of considerations because of the new world we live in with COVID. Plus, you'd have to be a real asshole to to really complain about one particular band canceling. I mean, I get it if it's your favorite band in the world and maybe you were going to see them for the first time, but the sheer number of bands playing that fest, like, you know, if one person canceled, I was like, well, I still get to see 30 other bands that I like, exactly. you know? Yeah, exactly. And there were those people. There were those people for sure. I mean, I saw online like people like, how do I get refunds? Like I signed, you know, because one band canceled or whatever. And it's like, dude, come on. Like, are you, you serious? Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. There was a, All right. There was, you know what? Fuck them. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck them, man. Like, <laughs> goddamn. Like, that's that was, splitting hairs. <laughs> yeah. The cat is out of the bag. There will be a Furnace Fest 2022. Has Hope's Fall been contacted? Will you be playing again, Josh? We have not been contacted, but I will go ahead and confirm on our behalf, I feel like. Well, that's really unfair of me to do without consulting the rest of the bands, but I can confirm myself that I will be there next year, whether or not we're playing. Really? <laughs> Fuck yeah, man. That shit was fun. Wow. Maybe you could do like a solo acoustic Hope's Fall type of thing. Oh, you know? God, no. That's a terrible idea. <laughs> <laughs> that's um, so much pressure josh i did see did i also see that jay was moving back to north carolina jay is officially moved back to charlotte yeah his wife is like gonna give birth in five days to their like second child like and they move back to be closer to family she can work remote from anywhere she's got an awesome job so they're just like yeah we're gonna pack it up and move closer to home closer to family and that's much better for you guys as, as a, as a band. Cause you, it feels like it's not as difficult. Well, I mean, I, again, cause I'm in this situation with poison, the well, where the band is spread out everywhere. So even to do one show, you've got to fly people in from over all over the place, get a practice space, you know, rent gear, all that kind of stuff. There's so many logistics that go into it. So if you oh, guys are yeah. all in one place, I mean, that's, that's huge. It's, ma it's massive. It, it really is because, um, yeah, that that is it. like the the logistics of putting it together. It, it makes the margins very slim, <laughs> you know, on everything that you do. And yeah, no, I'm stoked that he's back, man. But I'm stoked for him too. Just like like selfishly, I'm stoked that he's back for that reason for the band. But uh, like just like having a having our buddy back in town that likes all the same shit we do into the NFL, and you know, <laughs> like it's fun. That's excellent news. And yeah. Vadim, Poison the Well has been confirmed for Furnace Fest 2022, yes? Yes. Uh, or at, let's we, say as of today. As of today, yes, yes. I mean, as soon as, soon as the band let them know that we weren't going to be able to play, it was immediately like, okay, well, what about next year? As of right now, Poison the Well is slated to play. So hopefully that happens. 
Yes. So all we need to do is get this this day forward reunion together also for Furnace Fest, and we can have you up there playing two sets. What do you think? <laughs> mm, I like that idea, Keith. That's a great idea. Yeah. We are yeah. ambitious here at the Northeast scene. We we are a show of ideas, if you will. Yes. <laughs> Vadim comments? I'll just leave it as silence. No, I'll edit in you saying yes to that later. That could move this thing along. Perfect. We didn't talk about we didn't talk about the strong arm reunion. If we're going to talk about reunions, oh yeah. Now, first of all, Vadim, I didn't even realize that further seems forever were strong arm. I think until you told me. I think I knew that a long time ago, but I didn't remember. So you're like, yes, further seems forever is strong arm, and they're gonna they're gonna potentially play the advent of a miracle. Yeah, I, and Josh might know that history better than me but as far as i remember i think that when strong arm had broken up i think four out of five of the guys started further seems forever and it was just you know the addition of chris caraba who um you know later did dashboard confessional was the singer he basically replaced the singer of strong arm is that is that correct Josh? whose name was also chris chris carbonell yeah that's funny. Yeah. So, but then I know, I know that over the years, some of those guys from strong arm, they either had just decided to be like, um, local, like stay at home members or like members who only write with the band, but don't do the touring thing. So I didn't know how many of the members of strong arm would be playing with further seems forever. And I believe it was only two. Is that right, Josh? I did. I know the bass player was with strong arm, but like I missed them too. Okay, so the, so well, the drummer that. Steve, Steve Steve Kleizek for sure was was in Strong Arm and Further Seems Forever and Shai Hulu. Yeah. So it and was Shai at least Hulu. those, yeah. So it was at least those two guys. Um, but anyhow, yeah, I got the word that you know you never know if those things are are true if they're going to happen. But there's there was word going around that they were going to do a Strong Arm song. So I made sure. As much as I love Glassjaw and I love Glassjaw, and it was very 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 hard to leave that stage when Glassjaw was playing because they they think they started their set with like six or seven in a row from worship and tribute and i was like i was like i'm just i have to go you know see if further is going to play the strong arm song and and keith and i made our way over to that side stage and we you know we got on the on the side stage and then um i got in front of matt fox to film i just asked him if i can like sit in front of him to to get like a better angle and i looked at the set list it was literally right in front of me and sure enough advent of a miracle was like the last song on the further set list and i'm like oh my god this can be awesome people are gonna lose their minds so i got that whole thing on video from the stage so if you if you want to look that up on youtube i think you could just search you know further seems forever strong arm furnace fest whatever that was pretty cool it it was definitely i think for them that's the perfect place to do that kind of thing to do that no better place no better place, unless they were in, like, South Florida at some other fest. But just to circle back, dude, I didn't realize that they played it, Thursday played Texas Reason song. That was the other thing I wanted to talk about. I didn't know that was going on. I'm sorry yeah, to jump I missed back. It. I totally missed it. I missed that, too. I have to say, I, I was sitting down eating my food while they were, I, I got confused. It sounded so perfect like, Jeff was like, uh, Norman is on here on guitar. He was in this band called Texas is the Reason, so we're going to play a Texas is the Reason song. It sounded so perfect. I thought they were playing, like, the song through the PA. Like, and I was, cause, <laughs> because Jeff's vocals even sounded, like, perfect, as, like, in terms of Texas is the Reason. So I was like, wait, what's going on? 
Which and song I, did they play? Uh, if it's here, when we get back, it's ours. Okay. Yeah. First song at, from the EP. Yeah. Yeah. So I quickly yeah. ate my food and ran up there. But no, they, they were just playing the song perfectly. Since Josh circled back around, we didn't really talk about some of the specifics in the set. So just real quick, I just want to say for Jeremy Enig, when he played, uh, I think he did four Sunny Day Real Estate songs and then one Fire Theft song. I think that's when I pretty much lost my mind during that performance. Because, I mean, uh, like Sunny Day to me is as powerful as any music. Like, uh, you know, they're, they're like at the top for me, like the Beatles and, and Radiohead. Sorry, Keith, I know you had a heart attack with my Beatles mention. But, um, <laughs> but like Sunny Day Real Estate, I mean, that like changed rock music for me, you know? And and he played um, he played one song from LP2. He played two songs from How It Feels. And then he ended, he closed with The Ocean from, from Rising Tide just on, on his own. And oh my God, like that was just uh, other otherworldly. Um, and then with Mineral... I want to point out, so Power of Failing is like one of my favorite rock albums, I think, of the 90s. And they started their set with the first three songs from Power of Failing. So I, oh, for, a moment, God. I for a moment thought that they were going to do the whole record. You know, I was like, lose, I'm like, oh my God, are they going to play? They didn't play the whole record. I mean, they did a good mix of stuff. But just for that, like those first three songs, I, I like lost it. I mean, that, that was incredible. So, and then those fuckers did not have any merch. No merch. I, was, I spent a solid 30 minutes walking around throughout Saturday looking for their merch table. And then after they got done playing, I went up to the bass player. And I was like, do you guys have any merch? And they're like, you know, we were actually too lazy to make any. And I was like, are you guys fucking serious? Like you could have made like thousands of extra dollars from the show. But it, at the same time, it's just kind of funny. It's like, here's, here's this band from, from the mid nineties that didn't even feel like making merch for this festival. I don't think they realized like, how massive it would be or something i don't know yeah but vadim i'm glad you uh brought up jeremy and now let's take a poll is it jeremy enik or enik i never know if i'm saying it right i think it's enik. I thought it was enik yeah enik? jeremy enik. enik all right jeremy enik now i love i love sunny day real estate but I, I i don't think i realized how much i love them he started playing and i heard those first few chords in guitar and video games and the waterworks started i was like oh my god like I can't believe I'm watching this right now. It was definitely in the top two sets that I saw while I was there. It was it was amazing. I'm I'm really glad that I saw that. Same, yeah. And and to think how many people at that festival probably don't realize how much that guy is responsible for a ton of the bands that yep. played that festival. You know, I mean, like his impact it's funny because he's like you can't play an emo festival without playing sunny day real estate even though sunny day was not an emo band he, he said <laughs> that during during the set and it's like okay maybe you don't call yourself an emo band but clearly you started a whole trend of bands oh, yeah. that you know that that went that in that direction that sounded sort of like that including mineral actually yeah you know Mi- Min- mineral very much has sunny day to thank for their sound i think i mean i love i love that band as well but like you you got to call it for what it is i mean that was like sunny day worship um yeah so but but yeah i mean i think that the people who were watching him they were there like they they knew like the, the this is the guy and so many people probably missed that set which is really unfortunate i'm glad we caught it and now boys now we're gonna circle back and say what we've got coming up now i mean we've got josh here from hopes fall we've got 
Vadim, who has the inside track on Poison the Well. Let's talk about what's coming up. Josh, give us the latest Hope's Fall news. What can we expect? Shows, uh, bootleg merch, new music. What's going on? Definitely bootleg merch and nice. definitely new music. <laughs> um, ho- ho- I don't know when next year. Next year, though, we'll have a few more songs coming out. And then... We haven't made any plans on shows or anything, but I guess if, yeah, I'll, I'll go ahead and say if Furnace Fest reaches out, that would be awesome. But that, yeah, beyond that, no. So that's a lot of yes. That was a big yes. And then I followed it up with a no. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> and Josh, I have to compliment you and Hope's Fall on the hoodie design. Now, this is a excellent piece of clothing. I'm I'm highly, highly particular with clothing. But this Hope's Fall hoodie, it was kind of this thinner material, and it just has two really small logos on it, the floating man, and I I really like the way it looks. I don't even buy hoodies usually, but I I saw some guy wearing it, and I was like, that thing looks incredible. I'm going to get one, and I did. Oh, I'm stoked to hear that. No, and I thought it was funny, Vadim, that didn't know the Circle Man. Yeah, I had no idea. Yeah. What a fake! What a fake Hopesfall fan I am. I shamed Vadim. I was like, only us real big Hopesfall heads can spot it by the logo. I thought that your logo was like that Satellite Years thing. That is from the Satellite Years. It is. Yeah. Yes. Well, fuck me then. <laughs> <laughs> now, Vadim, what's going on with Poison the Well? Are we expecting more shows now? Of course. The Every Time I Die holiday show has been announced. That's a stacked bill. We've got that coming up, but tell us what else. Well, I really can't say anything, Keith. I'm sorry, because it's not really my band, you know? I, I just I just show up and I play. But, I see. You know, uh, let, me, let me just say that it probably would be silly to fly out to play one show. Hmm. Now that sounds enticing. Juicy. That's what I'll say. Now, Vadim, tell us about the inner workings of the uh, Poison the Well organization. Tell us... uh, No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) I know you won't. But listen, we're going to keep pressing you about the uh, This Day Forward reunion. It has to happen in some form, whether it's one song performed somewhere or one show. We we need it. We need it here at the Northeast scene and across the universe. Well, you know who to bug. Yes. I'm going to... Assault the group text later tonight with more texts and more demands for the This Day Forward reunion. <laughs> there yeah. you go. Include include my demands on that. You should start a Patreon to buy Colin a drum kit, and then that's like a first step. All right, I'm go- I'm gonna fax him a drum set. I'm just gonna <laughs> I'm just gonna get it done. I'm gonna get it done. I'm gonna get things moving. I I'm gonna have to take this more into my hands. I see, and I I'm willing to do that. But gentlemen. Um, I want to thank you both for coming on the show. It's always a pleasure to have you. You know, you you two, Josh and Vadim, are our most frequent return guests. Oh yeah, oh, I like that. Yes, we should do that. We should do this again next year after yes. first. Oh, that'd be fun. Yes, and hopefully Tommy will be there with us this time. Oh, we should do. Yeah, we should do one at Furnace Fest next year. Ooh, Ooh. now we're talking. That is that's a, a cool good idea. idea. That That is a great... See, this is a show of ideas. I love it. Well, Josh, thank you so much for coming on. Vadim, thank you so much for coming on. Always a pleasure to talk to both of you. And that's it. Thanks for having me, Thanks, guys. 
there you have it, folks. The official Furnace Fest panel. That was a great recap. It's always nice to have Josh on the show. It's always nice to have Vadim on the show. And together, together, Tommy, forget about it. I was going to say, I always, there are two guests that are just really insightful. And they have, like, when they think about something and they, before they speak, like, they really, have, you can tell they've really thought it through. And it's like, damn, like, you know, it's something that just happened and they've kind of, like, already processed. Like, no, I think this is good and I think this could have gone better. Like, that was really cool. There was a lot of insightful conversation, good recaps. And they are true friends of the show, Tommy. Oh, yeah, for sure. Let's see. What else is going on? I don't know. Nothing. Yeah, We're putting ourselves through the ringer this week, show-wise, Tommy. There's a lot of recording. There's a lot of late nights. There's a lot of boardroom conversations and... <laughs> and uh, Backroom yeah. dealings and, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, you look, we're not going to keep you here too long because there, we jammed a lot into this show. But, Tommy, I yeah. have a new Apple Podcasts review. Oh, good. Are you ready for this? I'm ready. All right, here we go. Five stars from New Casey. Best scene music show out there. Don't let the name fool you. The Northeast scene covers music from all over the world. This show is one of the best underground music podcasts available now. They talk to bands that were popular in the 90s and 2000s, but also look at how it connects to the scene now by having newer artists on the show. They really connect the dots for an oral history of punk and hardcore. I think that is a perfect summation of this show, Tommy. That we is. celebrate the past, we talk to the artists that inspired us, but we also make space for new and upcoming artists that we love. Yeah, that fall in that same kind of genre or kind of vein of what we've been always listening to. And it's also kind of cool is that we've kind of branched out into things that aren't necessarily heavy music or like punk stuff. Like it's, you know, Mall Walker is just great rock music. Like, you know what I mean? Like, yep. So it, it's it's out there. I love it. I, I, and that person did a really good summation of it. That was really, really like clean, cohesive. I love it. The best part is that five-star review bumped us up from a 4.7 to a 4.8. There we go. Yeah, so we like that. And Tommy, I have grand visions for the show. I'm thinking big-name actors and actresses, uh, speedrunners, game developers, <laughs> uh, major artists, directors, you know, all kinds of stuff. Yeah, Tom Hanks, and then the guy that wears the cowboy hat on Twitch. Yeah, Arcus. <laughs> I, I, I honestly want to get him on the show at some point. I, I'm going to wait to ask, but it's going to happen. That would be a good get. I would just love to find out like how he got so good at so many games. <laughs> like that's just, It's seemingly impossible. He does it full time, 40 hours a week, five days a week. Well, that, that seems feasible, though. Like, I mean, if you're that good, like you make a career out of it. Why not? Yeah, exactly. So here, I'm just going to make this short because we're tired and uh, we have families and lives and jobs and uh, many things to attend to. (laughs) Tonight's going to stink. The baby has an earache. I can already guarantee she's probably up and been up twice. So it's going to be a long evening. As always, Tommy, thank you for making the time. Oh, of course. For this show. I know I kind of yelled at you for being late, but, you know, (laughs) I just need to get over myself and realize that... uh, I'm not the center of the universe. Oh, Keith, if you knew how fast that rolled off my back, I could care less. <laughs> like, we stopped Did you guy. get mad? I, I sent kind of a spicy text to Tommy. I just, like, because he, he signed in late, and I didn't say, like, hey, how, where's I just sent a text that said, where are you? Did that, did that rub you the wrong way when you saw it? 
No, honestly, I was just so concerned about getting home and getting the baby or medicine. <laughs> oh, good. Yeah. You know what? I it actually, I'm actually very comforted to hear that I'm not the number one priority. You know what I mean? Like you're <laughs> just to hear that you're not even really thinking about me, and you're just concerned about getting home to your family and making sure the baby is okay. That actually makes me really happy. Really? Yeah. Oh, I would think you'd be upset <laughs> because because <about that. laughs> in my mind, I'm like oh, like, I send this text, and he's mad at me, and blah, 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 but you're just like, eh, I got more important things to worry about. Yeah, I mean, when I saw it, I was like, oh, fuck. Like, I didn't realize what time it was. Like, we, the baby had her appointment at uh, 7.30, so by the time they got home, it was like 8.30, we put the baby to bed, and then I got the, you know, tele, like, robocall from CBS saying, like, hey, you can come and pick up her script. I'm like, I'm leaving now. (laughs) So, yeah, it's one of those things, I think, with in terms of like priorities, that's like one of those, like it just everything with family always comes first. And it's like, like I was bummed out, like when I saw that, cause I was like, oh, fuck. Like I know I'm like a solid, like, th- like three or four minutes from home and I'm still standing in lot. Like, you know, I always went through the drive through, but I'm like still sitting in the car. I'm like, uh, I'll, I'll be home really soon. <laughs> like, I'll be on in a minute. I'll be right there. But, you know, it is what it is. Like, you know, I, I think one of those things with like just doing this in general is like you make sacrifices. You do things that sometimes you do stuff that you're like in the moment seems difficult. But after you're done, you're like, this is fine. Like that went so easily. And it's like, you know, literally what we do is talk and we talk about stuff we love. So it's easy. But, you know, it is what it is. <laughs> All right. So, folks, I'm going to remind you and I'm going to keep reminding you until you give us what we want. All right. Here it is. Rate us five stars on Apple Podcasts. That helps us. Leave a review. We'll read it on the air like we did with New Casey's review. Write to us at northeastscene at gmail.com. Follow us on Instagram and Twitter at the NE Scene. We're on the push to 3,300 followers on Instagram. We just need about 60 more. Oh, our Spotify playlist, the Northeast Scene 2021. We add all of our guests and random other stuff we like. To the playlist, as long as it's on Spotify, check that out. Uh, Oh, let me also give a shout out to the Iodine on Rotation playlist. Iodine Recordings does a monthly playlist, and I often contribute music that I like to that. The new playlist just dropped. I've got a couple songs on there, so check that out. It's a good, there's always good stuff on there. Like, there's always a good mix of just, you know, stuff in our scene. People we've talked to, people we want to talk to. I know Taylor Swift is on this month's list, Tommy. Taylor Swift. Taylor Swift? What song? I don't know. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe we can get her on the show one day. That'd be interesting. I think she's from, like, Pennsylvania. She's from Kutztown. She'd be into it. Yeah, so support us. Oh, yeah, and YouTube. Subscribe to us on YouTube. Like the videos. Comment. These are all ways you can support us because we don't have a Patreon. We don't charge for content. We don't ask you for anything. All we ask for is for you to click things, and that doesn't cost any money. Just your time. Yeah, and I look, I value time above all else, so I get it, but I don't know. If you remember, just help us out. And listen, we love you, we appreciate you, but that's it. That's it, Tommy. There, there we go. Look, Furnace Fest recap 2021. You will hear more about Furnace Fest. We've got some guests lined up, we've got some tricks up our sleeves, so stay tuned. So that's it. Thanks, everybody, for listening. And until next time.